0: That's so cool. Um, I'm assuming you've read Zero to One, but if not, I mean, Peter Till kind of, um, he speaks of business like art, uh, in a way. It's, um, I can't really put my finger, I, I wouldn't say it's formulaic, but like, I would say it's more artistic-like. Um, would you say that was replicated within the early days of Peter's business life? Because so for someone reading that, it can be, um, maybe you can, you know, view Peter as some sort of utter genius who who just has like this 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 4D ability to zoom out and really move the chess pieces um, succinctly. Would you say that was kind of the artistic feeling of business was replicated in, in PayPal's early days or Peter's uh, early business days?
1: It's a great, you know, it's a great question. Um, so it's interesting because I have, I, I have read, I read Zero to One when I was doing my research for the book and then I've read it kind of after I finished up the book, right? Um, And it's an interesting companion text. Hmm. Meaning there's so many principles or lessons that are within Zero to One. And PayPal turns out to be the place where some of those lessons, like you see an anecdote that expresses it, right? So let me give you (laughs) one example. In Zero to One, Peter meditates on the idea that competition is actually dangerous. Um, that, That what you are aiming for are kind of like functioning legal monopolies instead of firms yeah. that are competing against each other for the same slice of profits, right? And there's a whole, like you could read zero to one and you know that's like the whole meditation on that. And if you think about the PayPal story, part of what he did in the middle of that story is duck the competition with a company created by you know a young man named Elon Musk by advocating for a merger between two companies. One company was called Confinity, the other was called X.com and Confinity had a successful product called PayPal, but there was another player in that space and it was X.com and they had a pretty good product too. And it was Peter more than many of the other protagonists in the story who advocates for a merger, not a like, we're going to kill you type of competition, right? Not mm-hmm. a, not a finish to the death. Right. Um, And, and I, you know, if you, and if so, if I, so if I take, I take a step back, I'm like, well, You can learn that lesson about competition in many places but i would bet a decent amount of money that one of the examples that peter's thinking about about how competition can be ruinous Mm. actually came from paypal because it was when they were competing in against x.com they were losing money partly to just try to keep up with x.com and and there's a way in which it became like the competition became kind of ridiculous right yeah and so i i think of 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 the PayPal story as the fertile ground for a lot of the lessons that are in zero to one. Okay. Okay. In in terms of, in terms of how I think about, um, you know, the, 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 the interesting thing about Peter's role at PayPal is, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about talking to him now, let me actually just say this differently. I think if you were to ask, if I had interviewed him for this book, like in 2004, you know, he did not have the benefit then of having invested in so many other startups and being kind of close to so many other founders. Yeah, yeah. And when 20 years passed, you know, he was willing to be much more honest about some of the challenges that they faced at PayPal. And I remember like thinking, you know, that that in that moment, like part of what is, I hope good about the book is that it's not that he's some super genius that had all the answers because he absolutely mm. didn't. And I think he'd be the first to admit that. And I, I think that we actually need to like demystify startup success in that way. It's yeah. not that the team was like a team of Peter's or a team of Elon's. Mm. It was a true team with a lot of different kinds of personalities and people and everything. And so uh, part of what's interesting is just listening to him talk about, I'll give you an example. This so is we're not speaking in abstractions. I asked him about filing to take the company public after 9-11. So, so, so September 11th, the attacks, they affect the entire country. They affect the stock market. stock market is shut down for a bunch of days. PayPal is a privately owned venture capital funded company. There are ambitions to take it public. But after 9-11, nobody is talking about, it's the first month yeah. since I think the Ford presidency where no company goes public. And Peter pushes the team to try to uh, file with the SEC to go public. There are a bunch of reasons for this. One of the things that he told me is he said, look, part of it was like I was competitive and we had all these Wall Street banks <laughs> who really like didn't look, they didn't think about our business in the way that I did. And I thought they were wrong and I wanted to prove them wrong. And he was even in the quote in the book and what he was describing to me, he said, look, I don't want to be this competitive, but it just creeps in. And I am. And like, I'm honest about it. And and I don't know that you could have gotten the same observation in 2004. I think you would have gotten a lot more about Kind of like how long it takes to go and go public, but he's at least willing, like at this point, to say, like, "Look, I'm also just competitive," and like twenty percent, let's say, let's say five to twenty percent of the decision was about competitiveness. Um, so I, I, I just would would caution on the like, you know, the sort of genius idea. I, I think these are very smart people, and yeah. I suspect that you know, by some contemporary official definition of genius, a few of them are probably geniuses. <laughs> but I think the more interesting thing is how do they make decisions at that moment, given the information they have and what that might've taught them later. And I, mm. you know, and like you can take real lessons about managing talent from Peter Keel and like recruiting talent and finding it and knowing what to look yeah. for and knowing what not to look for. Um, I, I think that is a, it, what, I, what I was trying to go for in the book is not just like, oh, you know, Elon Musk is very smart and everything, yeah. you know, and that's why this was successful. Actually, like it's very much the, a, 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 different story and a little bit more textured story
0: okay that's super interesting just a question to kind of follow on from that uh and and i think you've kind of touched on this briefly um but like i'm i'm really interested in in like the art of business and how business is created um and one thing that i was writing down as 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 you were speaking there was about the network um of peter and i feel like for me personally one of the hardest challenges when i like have an idea and i want to bring it to, to fruition is um is 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 knowing like a network of of very competent people um and peter speaks about in, in zero to one the fact that uh ideally you should you know in an idealistic world you should have um you should found your company with someone you've not even known for five or ten years someone that's a true friend in comparison to someone that you just met at a casino on a friday night um and the the reason uh, the reason i asked this question is 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 um like, was Peter friends with all of these people for for a long time? Uh, was it more of just like uh, really good networking skills, as you as you mentioned?
1: You know, uh, it's a little it's a little from column A and a little from column B, and okay. it's interesting. It's a great question. Um, he does not have a long what he calls a prehistory. So he has this, uh, and you described it a bit. He has this view that one smart thing that startup founders can think about is you may want to have prehistory or like a prior relationship yeah. with your co-founders or early employees so that you sort of know each other. Right. And I think, and by the way, the, the, the logic on that is if you have that, it actually eliminates the amount of time you need to like carefully explain everything and dance around issues. If you know somebody for a while or you're friendly or ideally friends with them, you can kind of cut to the quick. You can like move a little bit more quickly. There was a, a gentleman I interviewed who ran customer service. His name was David Wallace. Uh, early customer service he, it's what he said he said you know part of like what was nice was like we had such a comfort level with each other we could just kind of move more quickly trust trust produce speed yeah so that's the that's the argument in that he makes now max Levchin, he does not have like a five or ten year history with but there mm. are other people like david Sachs where he does go back a long ways um you know eric jackson these stanford relationships have have pretty deep roots but it's not everyone in the company Max Lepchin does have history with a bunch of the engineers that they hire that are very early. And so I would just say there's more, you know, it's a little bit more complex. There are some people they hire who just sort of, sh- who just show up, right? Um, that, that number is in the minority. But let me explain. The reason there are fewer of those kind of random hires or like random interesting people is because the company really had a hard time getting off the ground. Nobody wanted to work for PayPal. Like when it was known as Confinity and run by this unknown person, Peter, and this unknown person, Max, the place you went to work if you were a serious engineer was Google or Yahoo or you know <laughs> you went somewhere else. And so they had a hard time recruiting. So part of it was just by design. If you can't recruit anybody, you call your friend and you say, hey, I'm doing this thing, You know, we think it'll work out. And at that point, many people were willing to take a chance on them. As the company matured, obviously this process became a little different. But I would argue that, you know, it's really two networks colliding. It's Max's network of University of Illinois engineers, as well as Peter's network of, of Stanford people. That's one half of the company. The other half of the company is Elon. And that's a little, bit, little uh, bit different. Those often came through recruiting firms, through his relationships. You know, he had already had a tech startup, so he recruited some of the people that he knew from there. So it's a li- there's a little bit more texture to it than just okay. networks. Um, but he... But it is important to recognize like some of the the senior most people at PayPal came through that came through people that you know knew each other and were willing to take a chance on the idea
0: okay that that's interesting for me to hear because um yeah, I think I can maybe view businesses too you know like too much as a perfectionist when in reality there's there's a bit of a uh, disorder everywhere oh um, god
1: if anything if anything the paypal story i hope gives you some yes. comfort. it's mostly disorder you are yeah. mostly dealing with like just managing chaos and drama and difficulty there's not a you know they had plans but there were there yeah. were seven you know let's see five iterations of the product you know yeah. it was it was if anything what i hope that you take away is it is about that disorder and kind of wringing some, like wringing something valuable out of the disorder, not having a perfect plan and being able to execute.